Turning to the book of Job, to the book of Job, chapter 14, please. Most of the preaching on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning across our land will come from the Gospels, from the epistles of Peter and Paul, from the Acts, and quite rightly so, for they're all heavily charged with the great doctrine of the resurrection. But one hasn't far to travel in either gospel, in either of the gospels or the epistles, until they come across this tremendous doctrine which we are celebrating this morning. But I think that sometimes we're inclined to forget uh, the Old Testament scriptures that allude so much to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. In the Old Testament, the resurrection is concealed, and in the New Testament, it is revealed. All the great truths of Christ, the gospel, his birth, his death, his resurrection, his coming again, are laced throughout the Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi, in pictures, in parallels, in types, in shadows, in figures, in symbols. And there you have it, wherever you go, almost, you will get some trace of the resurrection of our Savior. Now, there's no doubt that Job, and someone might say to me this morning, what a book to take up on an Easter Sunday morning, the book of Job. One might say, uh, have we nothing else? But if you bear me out this morning, you will discover that uh, we have this great theme right across it. Job, no doubt, spoke an awful lot about death and dying. And why would he not? And one day he lost 11,000 head of camels, oxen, asses. About 50 years ago up there in English, there was a man lost three bullocks that were under a tree and a sheet of lightning hit them. And do you know if you mention that man, his son used to come here, and if you mention that man up around that country, they'll, they'll always tell you that's the man that lost the three beasts. Well, here we have a man that lost 11,000 head in one day and seven sons and three daughters. Ten coffins were lined up at the farmhouse in Job in that day. And I want you always to remember this, that he was up, Christian, up early in the morning, praying for his family. And I'm sure that when he prayed for his family, because he was described by God as a man of God, 
I'm sure as he prayed for his family, he would have said amen at the end. So be it, Lord. Your will be done. God's will was done because God allowed this terrible tragedy to happen. Did this man curse God that night? No, his wife did, but he didn't. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And blessed be the name of the Lord. It takes sometimes a tragedy or a bereavement or a sickness to get a man to think about death, eternity, hell and heaven. You know, the older I get, the more I am beginning to think about heaven and what is there and what I will see and who will be there. And why would it not? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you should be thinking about hell as time goes on. Yes? You should be thinking about what's going to come of you if you die. And as time goes on, I trust that you do. These verses show us here in, in chapter 14 of Job, these verses show us the mind of Job in his affliction. So I want you to look at verse 1. We're going to do a wee Bible study this morning. So keep your Bible open. In verse 1, let's read. Here's a man contemplating now. He's, he's in the ashes. He's all, all is gone. What else can he think about? Everything's gone now from him. He's alone. He's scraping himself. With boils, what an awful blow was struck to this man. And it's obvious that he comes out with this here. Verse 1. Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. He cometh forth like a flower and is cut down. He fleeth also as a shadow and continueth not. You have a number of F's there. You have the few days full of trouble, the flower, and fleeth like a shadow. Go down to verse 5. Seeing his days are determined. He's talking about days now and months. Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee. Now has appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. You get the word appointment a number of times in these readings. Let us read on. Turn from him that he may rest till he shall accomplish as an hireling his day. For there is hope of a tree if it be cut down. He's on the resurrection here. There is hope of a tree if it be cut down that it will sprout again and that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud and bring forth boughs like a plant. But man dieth and wastes away. Here he is again now. Ye man giveth up the ghost, 
and where is he? As the waters fail from the sea, and the floods decayeth and dryeth up, so man lieth down and riseth not till the heavens be no more, they shall not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave. Can you hear the heart of this man now? Oh, that thou would hide me in the grave, that thou wouldst keep me secret until, verse 12, you have till, verse 13, until the wrath be past, that thou shouldest point me a time and remember me. And here's the question. The oldest question ever asked in the oldest book by the oldest man. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee. Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. For now thou numberest my steps. There was months, there was days, and now the step. You don't get any mention of years here. For now thou numberest my steps. Dost thou not watch over my sin? The Lord will bless to us the reading of his word. I want you to look at verse 12. In verse 12, we have a glimpse of the resurrection of the sinner at the great white throne judgment on the last day. Lying down here means to lie down in the sleep of death till, see the verse now, till the heavens be no more. The word of God tells us when the heavens will flee and pass away. When the heavens are fled and pass away and all is finished, there's the great white throne judgment in the revelation for the sinner. The body will stay in the grave. That's what he's saying here now. You just watch this now. Man lieth down. He, he's asleep in the grave. He's, the body's in the grave. The soul's not. The body is in the grave and the ashes may be in the urn, urn or they may be scattered wherever they may be. But look at verse 15. It's only until thou shalt call and I will answer thee. It's only until he calls. And friend, there's coming a day when all in the graves will hear his voice. Just as he called Lazarus by name, he's going to call every sinner by name out of the grave to stand at the great white throne judgment before God. What an awesome day that will be. You get your eyes again on that verse. Thou shalt call and I will answer thee. I tell you the sinner will answer him that day. You may be listening to me this morning and he has called you many a day and many a time, but you, you have refused to answer. You have refused to come. But you will come this day. 
You will come up wherever you are. Your body, soul, and spirit will stand at the great white throne judgment before God. That's what the scripture's saying. He knows your name. Just as he knew Hagar, way down on the borders of Egypt, he said to Hagar, remember, where are you coming from and where are you going? Boy, I know he knows where we were coming from last night. And he knows where we're going to today. For he knows all things. He could look up into the tree and see Zacchaeus and call him by his name. We have no record of he ever seen him or knew him before. Or, or Zacchaeus knew him before that. He could call him down Zacchaeus. So he knows the name. So in Revelation chapter 20, body, soul, and spirit will come out. And he's alluding to this here. And he'll search the Lamb's book of life. And the name of the sinner will not be in it. And whosoever name was not found written was cast into the lake of fire. Oh, you say this is terrible preaching on an Easter Sunday. No, it's not, because it's scriptural preaching. And let me tell you what more. Rising, he justifies us. And we are saved this morning because of the resurrection. We are saved this morning, but there's, an, there's other resurrections. The resurrection of Christ is not the only resurrection. So not only do we get a glimpse in verse 12 of the sinner... But we get a glimpse of the saint in verse 13. Look at verse 13. I'm trying to get you to read your Bible. I'm trying to get you, when I'm preaching now, to study the Word of God. Look at verse 13. He says, Oh, that thou wouldst hide me in the grave, that thou wouldst keep me secret until thy wrath be past, that thou wouldst appoint me a set time and remember me. Hide me, he says, in the grave. He's not only looking out of his suffering here, and he is, and why would he not be? Why would he not be? He's looking out surely of his suffering and of his sorrows. And in a personal sense, he's heartbroken and he's grieved. And why would he not want out to see his family again? But my friend, there's a prophetical touch to this here. Let me say this, Job has been hiding in the grave now for 5,000 years. This is the oldest book in the Bible. And you'd have bother finding a particle of this man. He's certainly in the dust. And all over the world this morning there are billions of people in the graves and in the dust and in the sea. And they're being hidden. I'm talking about the saints of God. They're being hidden until the wrath be passed. For there's the wrath coming. The wrath of God is coming upon the world and upon the nations of the world. And God has hidden many, many millions of his saints in the grave that will never endure the wrath that is coming upon this world. It says in Revelation, because thou hast kept the word of patience, I will keep thee in the hour of temptation. And Isaiah says, the righteous shall be taken away from the evil to come. Those saints of God that are gone on and buried and gone, I tell you, their head, they're like no other safe. They're safe from the judgment that's going to come. But let me say you to this to you this morning, as the Lord showed me this very clearly, he's not only going to take them out before the wrath comes, but he's going to take us out before the wrath comes. The Bible teaches that he is going to, he's going to take the saints out 
And let, let me say to you this morning, if you've been taught some other doctrine than this that we're going to go through the tribulation, you rethink it again. And rethink it very carefully. And rethink it in the Scriptures, with the Scriptures open. Don't be listening to men. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 10. Jesus, the Savior, who has delivered us from the wrath to come. There's an awesome wrath going to be unleashed on this world once the church goes. Listen to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. It is an appointment. It's appointed. Three times we read pointed and pointed here in this scripture. There's days, there's months, there's steps even. when we shall be taken out. But not only do we get a glimpse of the sinner at the great white throne judgment, and we get a glimpse of the saints at the rapture when he shall descend from heaven with a shout and take us out and take us up and into his presence and like Noah again into the ark when he hides us from the fierce storm and the wrath that's going to come on this old world whenever the church goes. We're not in it yet, but we're going into it very soon and very shortly we're going to be airborne. Very shortly. You can't read the papers and look around the world this morning, in Israel especially, and think that our time is very long. It's not very long, my friend. He's coming to take us out and to hide us and to keep us safe until the wrath be passed. But it's not the sinner at the great white throne judgment that I've seen here in the saints at the rapture. What a mighty glimpse here we have of our Savior on a resurrection morning. I let others go this morning to the Gospels. Let others go to the Acts and the 1 Corinthians 15 this morning. And I came to this passage, as the Lord showed me very clearly, a glimpse here of the risen Savior. Here's what he says in verse 14. If a man die, if a man die, shall he live again? Now, he was a man, the Lord Jesus. Of course he was. He died as a man. His, his hands were nailed. His head was crowned with thorns. He was bludgeoned on that old cross of Calvary as the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. It wasn't his divinity that he depended on. It was completely his manhood, and that's how he suffered and died for us. So if a man die, if a man die, Shall he live again? If, forget about the if. We don't have any need this morning to dispute the indisputable that men die. I wouldn't spend time this morning trying to, to, to discover that at all. All I'd have to do is to look at verse 10 there. Look at verse 10. But man dieth and wasteth away. Yea, man giveth up the ghost. And where is he? Shall he live again? Yes, the answer is yes, abundantly yes. And we have proof of it, proof of it, proof of it. Shall he live again? Yes, he lives. He's alive this morning. He's alive in the power of an endless life. Shall he live again? The oldest question in the oldest book. He is alive and he's alive forevermore. Let me tell you, this is the only book that tells us the truth 
about the resurrection. You'll not find it in the creeds. You'll not find it in the core. You'll, you'll, you'll find it in the creeds and you'll find it in the courses. But this is the book. This is the book. The resurrection that we are celebrating this morning is an attested, one of the greatest attested facts in history. The one-time commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, and they'd need a man like, like I'm in there at the minute, the way things are. The one-time commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, Sir Robert Anderson, a brethren man, he stated that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was the greatest proved and attested fact of history. Now listen, we have far more evidence for it than Alexander Fleming who invented penicillin. We have far more evidence for it than Alexander Graham Bell who invented the telephone. We have far more evidence for it than Edison who discovered the light bulb. And we have far more evidence for it than Columbus discovering America and that the world was round. All I have for that is bits of ledgers and pieces of parchments and bits of papers written by a man. But here we have the living word of the living God. Tis the sheer word of prophecy. Matthew declared it, Mark declared it, Luke declared it, John declared it, Paul declared it, Peter declared it, the angels declared it, and Jesus himself says, I am he that liveth. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. And after he rose from the dead, and, he is, and between when he rose and he ascended for 40 days, he appeared 10 times, sometimes to one, sometimes to two, Sometimes to 10, sometimes to, to, to 11, sometimes to 500, sometimes to more. They saw him, they heard him, they touched him, they had breakfast with him, they had an evening meal with him, and there was no doubt that they saw him in the flesh, and he's alive, and there's no need to dispute it this morning. He's a living Savior. But here's something more in my heart this morning. He's not only a living Savior, he's a changing Savior. Look at verse 14. If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time. And many are times appointed. There's a time appointed for him to come again. There's a time appointed for him to take us out. There's a time appointed for you to die. It's appointed on the man once there's an appointment. You, you'll have to keep that appointment. If a man die, shall he live again all the days of my appointed time? Will I wait till my change comes? Listen, friends, he's a changing Savior this morning. Now, I want you to look at that word in verse 14, that word appointed. This word baffled me. It baffled me because when I got the Hebrew the, the deep Hebrew meaning of it, I couldn't understand it. I had to check it and check it and check it to find out that it was so. The word, the word appointed here is the word warfare. It's conflict, it's fight, it's battle. Boy, you'd never see that if you wouldn't study the word. And here's the way we're supposed to read this word. Now listen, this is for some of you this morning, and most of us, and maybe all of us. 
all the days of my warfare, I will wait until my change comes. Did I have to tell us that we're in a battle this morning? Did I have to say to you this morning that you're in conflict? Of course I don't. Mother, father, young person, young believer, whoever you are, in the battle this morning, in the trials and the afflictions of life, put on the armor, dig in your heels, and having done all, stand. Stand. Because there's a change coming. And it's not climate change. It's not transsexual change. It's taken over the blessed world almost. There's a change coming because the one who lives this morning, the one who lives in power this morning, he's the all-changing one. Hear that now? He's the all-changing one. I tell you, he can change a life. He can change a man. He can change a woman. He's the all-changing one. He's the ex-changing one. There on the cross of Calvary, he took my place and died for me. He's the never-changing one. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. That's the one I'm worshiping this morning. That's the Savior I'm before this morning and giving praise that he's up from the grave and he's alive. That's the one. That's the one I want to praise this morning. All the days of my warfare and trouble and trials and afflictions, down to life of sickness and pain and all that hits us, my friend, we're waiting. We're waiting. And of course, James tells us about the patience of Job. Job was a patient man. You've heard of the patience of Job and you see the end of the Lord in pity and mercy with him. So he's saying here in the power of the Holy Ghost, in his terrible dilemma, in his terrible mess, in his terrible suffering, in his terrible bereavement, that we could hardly take it in. He says, I'll wait. I'm waiting for the change to come. For the change to come. As the Apostle Paul put it, I'll fight the good fight and I'll finish the course. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. John says, look to yourself that you lose not that which you've wrought for, but that we might receive a full reward. Waiting's not easy. Being still is not easy. Holding on in the trial of life is not easy. Holding on when everything around us seems to be falling and trembling and staggering and wobbling around us. It's not easy. But we're to wait. For very suddenly this change, very suddenly, my friend, this change will come. It can come in a moment. I will wait. After Abram patiently endured, he received the promise. And you want you get you a picture of this man now that's penning this. He's in bereavement, he's in sorrow, he's in boils, he's in trouble. He never asked 
for someone to take his life. No euthanasia here and no suicide either. He's waiting, patiently waiting. Job is patiently waiting. There's coming a better day. There's coming another day. He knows it and he knows it by faith. As you'll see as we come to a close, he knows it by faith. There's a change coming. Bless God there is. You know there's a day coming when this old vessel will change. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven from whence we look for the Saviour, our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies. <laughs> like unto his glorious body. This old vessel is going to be changed someday. I tell you, no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more blood pressure, no more cancer, no more coronaries, no more stents. It's going to be changed. And we're going to be changed into his likeness. I heard some rascal of a boy on talking about reincarnation the other day there. Said he was going to come back as a tree. And then someone else said that they were going to come back as a, as a as goldfish. I don't want to come back as a tree. And the fellow said to me one time, he said, you know what such and such said, I, who, who, he told me who he was. He says, he says when he dies, he's going to come back. <laughs> he's going to come back as a jackass. Well, I said, tell him there's no need to die for he's already won. <laughs> don't, don't bother going down into death, son, for you're already what you should be. I'm going to be like him. I'll have a glorious body. There's going to be a change. This old vessel. Hallelujah, Trevor. Hallelujah. Deborah. Hallelujah. The vessel's going to change. The venue's going to change. I tell you, it'll be straight into heaven, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If the resurrection of Christ means anything, it means this. Living, he justified us. Freely forever to lift us out. Because he lives, we shall live also. Absent from the body to the golden streets, the jasper walls, the crystal rivers, the pearly gates, we shall be airborne into the presence of himself. That's the venue and the vision. The vision. Turn to chapter 19 as we close. Here's, here's Job now in chapter 19 and verse 25. Oh, what mighty truths here. What mighty truths this is. What you're going to read hasn't even taken place yet, you know. For I know, <laughs> how did he know? He knew by faith. He says, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. Not only that he lived, not only that he's living, but he liveth. And that he shall stand in the latter days upon the earth. That's not the rapture, that's the revelation. Now, the rapture hasn't even happened. See what I'm saying? 
He said, I know in my own heart and in my soul that the Redeemer, the kinsman Redeemer, he's alive, alive forevermore. Hallelujah. We don't have to go to the Gospels. We don't have to go to the tomb. He says, I know, I know, without a doubt, that word no is without any doubt. I know that he's alive. Here's a man sitting, scraping himself, and ten of his family gone. Put us from complaining. He says, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter days upon the earth. He's going to come and take us out some of these days, and then he's coming back, and we're coming back with him, and he's going to, his feet is going to stand on the Mount of Olives. He could come any time to take us out. And what's happening in Israel at the moment, I don't believe will stop until Armageddon. That's only what I'm saying. But he's coming, he could see this. He hadn't even come the first time. He hadn't even come as a babe to the manger. He said he's going to come and he's going to stand upon the earth. Look at what he says. And though after my skin, you see he's thinking about it, the way he's thinking, isn't it? Though after my skin, worms, that word worms is in, in Italics, it's, it's, it's maggots. After my skin, and the maggots have long, long chewed them. Worms shall destroy this body. Yet in my flesh I shall see God. So he's going to come up. He's going to put on flesh and blood and bones. And he's going to see him just as Mary saw him. Mary saw him in the flesh. Peter saw him in the flesh. The two in the road to Emmaus saw him in the flesh. Job. Job's away before them. He's away before them. Though after my skin's worm destroy this body, Yet in my flesh I shall see God. And here, here says, Whom I shall see for myself and not another. No angel is going to see. Not Gabriel. It's himself. Boy, my heart's full this morning. There's a way back in this, the old sacred book, the oldest book in the canon of Scripture. This man can look out of the depth. He say, I'm going to see him. Someday I shall see him. Five millennia ago. This hasn't happened yet. He shall literally see him. Oh, my friend, this old truth. This old truth of the resurrection is everywhere. And the Lord wants us to enjoy, even in the book of sorrow and trials of Job, that we may see him. For we are going to see him in all his beauty, 
in all his glory. We're going, he's going to change from the venue and we're going to change, he's going to change the vessel and the venue and the vision from sight to faith. We shall see him. I want to finish just by giving you this thought. I was taken up with this last night. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 15. Here's what he says. First of all, I declared unto you the gospel. I wish to God that start declaring the gospel again in our land. First of all, I declared unto you the gospel that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he rose again. That's it. First of all, first of all, what a blessed doctrine, what a blessed truth. May God keep us going, keep us marching, keep us praying, keep us praising in the trials, in the sickness, in the trouble. Read the book of Job. I will wait until my change come. It's coming. Hallelujah. Could come tonight, today, but whenever it comes, at any day, any, any day, any week, any month that he's saying here, it's appointed when it comes, it'll come. Glory to God, it's coming. And we're going to get out, and we're going to be free. Hallelujah.